Welcome to Lubbock Unified Messages on the Go. I'm Pastor Furman. As always, we just want to say thank you for joining us. This message is from this past Sunday. We pray that it will bless you today. Um, you can come and find us, 2707 34th Street. We would love to have you on a Sunday in person at 1030. But other than that, man, let's keep seeking the Lord together. God bless. Good morning, everybody. I got to fix this mic. I don't want y'all to hear me heavy breathing up here. It's all that coffee. Well, today we're going to continue seeking, you know, God's wisdom and trying to and see our resolutions through. You know, last week I talked about how when you break down the word, and when you put this on the screen, Josh, go to the next slide. You break down the word resolutions, right? You put re-solution, you separate the R and E, you get re-solutions. We need to rethink often the way that we are coming to our problems with our solutions. And I shared a lot of times we look at old solutions and we try to use them for old problems or even for new problems that we face. Um, but what we really need is something bigger than that. What we need is, is God. I shared how we could have good ideas, but it's God ideas that can change history. I also talked about how prayer is the difference between what you can do and the best that God can do for you. So there's a huge difference between those things. But we learn that when we go to God, just like George Washington Carver, when we spend time in his presence, God can give us an idea that goes way beyond what we could imagine. I shared how George Washington Carver was a scientist. He was an agriculture inventor. And he took the peanut and he, find over three, he found over 300 different uses for it. And it's just a, another man example of how God can take an idea and do way more than what we can on our own. That one God idea is better than a thousand good ideas that we could have. And it all starts by going and seeking his presence, spending time in his presence. And as I've been, you know, just thinking about the year and going over the calendar. Even today, we have a board meeting just for the church. And what does it look like for this year? What are some things that we want to see accomplished? And I've been asking God, okay, God, what does this look like? And is there a word that you want for us? Is there verses that you want for us? What is this all going to be? And he always kept bringing me back to that, to presence. And I feel like that's the word for us this year. That's a word I'm going to talk about all year long is presence. About us being people in God's presence of seeing his presence around us, of operating out of his presence. And so that's the word that you're going to hear often throughout the year, presence, because I pray that this is a year like no ever that we're in his presence. And not because we're running because life has been difficult or been hard, because we realize how much we are loved by God. So presence. But along with that, I have a verse that I'm going to read today and it's a verse that we're going to read throughout the year every week even if it's not in the message it's going to be a part of the announcement some way i want this verse written on our hearts because it goes back to the thing that we talked about about finding success in this year and all the things that we face when we include god in it when we spend time in his presence we have a success rate that we can't fail and i want to read this verse that comes out of psalm 16 Verse 11, this is in the AMP, which means amplified version. Just like, you know, some people could talk to you. You're like, oh, man, you talk too proper. I need you to talk different because I can't understand. You got to find a translation of the Bible that makes sense to you so God can speak to you in a language that you know. But this is a verse and a version 
that I really felt like was speaking to us. And this is going to be our verse for the year. It says, show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So we see that in his presence, we find direction. We find fulfillment. We find contentment in his presence. His presence is going to keep us on the right path for our life. It's going to guide us. And it's also going to show us that anything that we face, we could overcome. His presence is where we're going to find those good things that actually fill us up and not searching for the things that don't. His presence. That's a beautiful verse that there. I want to pray that this year will be the year that everything in his right hand or things that we experience, that we would receive the fullness of his joy. So every week you're going to hear that same verse. Because as you go throughout the day, I want you to be meditating on that verse. I want you to be thinking about that verse. Thinking about how God is working around you, how he's working in you, how he's working by you. Because his presence is what our goal is this year. Because I believe if we are a church that are in his presence, then we are going to be a church that people are going to see his presence in us. That people are going to walk through these doors and they're going to say, man, there's something about this. I just feel at home. I feel comforted. I feel loved. They're going to have an encounter with you and they say, man, I don't know what it is, but I just feel good talking to you. And it's his presence that's going to be the difference for all of us. And that's my, my hope and my prayer for all of us. That this would be the year of his presence. So we understand his presence is key to succeeding in our resolutions, right? Our goals and our plans. It grants us the ability to receive those God ideas to do far more than we could on our own. And I shared this other verse with us at the end of the message last week. I want to put it on the screen. It comes from Proverbs 16.3. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. When we bring our problems, our, our goals all to God, when we commit them to him, all right, that's what we're going to learn about today. We're going to always be successful. And that's a guarantee. That's not a, well, it might work out. It might not happen. There's a percentage that we're going to be succeed. No, this word says that we're always going to be successful. But success might not always look in the way that we think it is. So what does it look like for us to commit our plans to God? Well, we know it starts by spending time in his presence, right? And we're going to find out what follows that, what we need to do after that. We're going to be reading out of Ephesians chapter 5 today. And this is written by the Apostle Paul. And the word apostle just means the one who is sent. And I want us to all understand that God has a mission for all of us that he's sending us out to go and do. It's going to look different than each one of us. But he has a mission that is ordained by God. That means his blessings come with it. His protection comes with it. His wisdom, all the resources you need to be successful is there. And it comes to a point of getting into his presence and discovering what that is. And then what we learn today of walking in that of how to handle ourselves. So we're going to see the key that being not just in his presence is what we do in the present. So I want us to start at Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 5. It says, imitate God, therefore in everything that you do because you are his dear children and live a life filled with love following the examples of Christ. He loved us and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. 
Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of the world. So Paul starts off and he's calling us children of God. If you have children or you think about when you were a child, what do you do? You often look to your parents and you copy their behavior. You copy their mannerisms. You don't even realize it, right? How many of us say, man, I never want to be like my parents. And you got older, you realize you are your parents. You talk just like them. You act just like them. So when we think about this and Paul is telling us, hey, we need to be people of God. We need to imitate him. We need to think of him as our heavenly father. We might say, well, I don't even know how to follow him in that way. Well, guess what? He sent his son, right, Jesus, to be an example that we could learn from, that we could live like. So we could look to the son to get closer to the father. And he stresses the importance of that, of understanding who we are because of whose we are, okay? If we're children of God, we've got to understand that we're part of his family. That means we come from royalty. That means we have all these things available to us. But you've got to understand who he is and who you are in him. So you can access it. So you can actually walk in that. And that's what the Paul is telling us to begin. He says, man, understand the standard from which you were called to live. Because when you understand it, when you try to live by it, you're going to inherit everything of the kingdom. But then he also said to be careful not to be deceived. Because the world that we live in isn't always what it seems. And we think about the world that we currently live in, right? We can see all the deception that's out there, right? Everybody's always trying to persuade us and pull us these different ways and say, no, 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 this is a better option for you. No, this is what the actual truth is. Everybody has all these things, right? We have all this flood of information and we're all hungry for wisdom. And that's the difference. Not all information is actually wisdom. So we're constantly in search of what is true, what is right. And when Paul wrote this letter, he wrote this to the church in Ephesus, to the Ephesians, and they were going to do the very same thing because their culture was opposite of God. They lived in a culture that was doing all kinds of crazy things. It was everywhere. And everybody was like, hey, this is just what we know. So it's normal. It's okay. It's accepted. So it's not a bad thing if you go to church and this is just part of it. But Paul is saying, no, you got to be mindful that these two things are not the same. We got to be mindful of the things that we allow in the church and say that it's good because not everything that we do is always God. And he's saying there's a huge difference between that. He said we got to be careful that we're not embracing the things that God are saying to let go of, to walk away from, to not be a part of. Because again, we look everywhere and it's everywhere and it's normal, right? So we see it as being accepted even when God's word is speaking against it. Paul's warning us, man, we can't allow the culture around us to be the standard for us. The standard has to be God's word. It has to be him. It has to be Jesus. That's the thing that we got to measure everything against. And if it doesn't fall under the umbrella that God has, that Jesus has for us, then it ain't for us. Even if everybody else is doing it, even if it's accepted by everybody else, that's what they choose. Cool. But at the end of the day, I got to deal with me and God and I got to live by his standard because he is not going to change his standard because of the culture that we live in. His is what it is. And you can either accept it or you cannot. 
And his word says, and if you choose not to, then that's fine. Just don't ask or expect to reap the things that I have for you from the kingdom. So Paul is telling us, man, be mindful of these things. Be mindful of the way that you're thinking and you're living so you don't adopt something that you shouldn't. Because Paul said you can't adopt a non-Christian lifestyle and think you're going to inherit the rewards of the kingdom. It goes back, right? It's one or the others. You can't do both. So I can't say, look, I'm a child of God, but then I'm out here being a child of Satan, right? Because that ain't how this is going to work. And that's not to say that we're perfect, that we have it all together, because let's be real. None of us do. But I should be striving to be better. I should be working to overcome some of these things that I know I shouldn't be doing any longer. There should be a point that we're maturing, that we're growing. And if we're not, then we're really choosing to say, okay, God, I hear you, but I really don't care what you got to say. I'm going to still do what I want to do. I know that's your standard, but my standard is different from you. That's not how that works. Paul's saying you have to be careful of what you allow among you because if we're not careful, it's going to consume you. And the very thing that you allow among you is going to be the very thing that you become. So this guy says, hey, you got to understand what is not of God. Separate yourself so it doesn't gain control of your life. So you don't have this master that is over you that you can't break free from. And Paul gives us a way out. He gives us a key so we could throw that stuff away. So we could walk through every door that Jesus has for us. And I want you to take this away this morning. A life lived out of love ensures that we follow the examples lived by Jesus. A life lived out of love ensures that we follow the example lived by Jesus. What did Paul say? He said, live a life filled with love. Follow the examples of Christ. He said, love, think about the love that he did. He, did, he gave a love that sacrificed himself for you. When you understand that type of love, you understand that it's not a selfish love, right? It's a selfless love. How many of us have been to a wedding? Everybody been to a wedding, right? They always say the same verse from the Bible, talking about love. Because when you read the Bible, what you discover is the word says that God is love. And those that love God are, have God in them. That you can be loved too. But Paul goes further when he explains living a life of love in 1 Corinthians 13. He starts off the chapter and he says, man, if I could speak all the languages of the earth, if I could have all these prophecies, I had all these gifts, I did all these things, but I did it without love, then I would just be making a lot of noise. That at the end of the day, the things that I'm doing are really meaningless. Because there is a difference between having a love for yourself and doing things out of a selfish love versus doing it in a way that is selfless. It means differently. When Paul talks about love in 1 Corinthians 13, he says it this. I want to read it in verse 4 through 7. He says, love is patient and love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's what love is. That's what God's love looks like. That's what living in love should look like in our life. That we are patient, that we are kind. We're not jealous or boastful or proud. 
We're not rude. We're not demanding our own way. We're not saying, hey, man, I got a record of how many times you said this and you did this. This is a different type of love, and this is a love that we could access through Jesus and through God that we could actually live by. So we're not allowing the wrong things to affect the love that flows from us. Because love is going to flow from us either way. And it's either going to be the love of God or it's going to be the love of self. The love of you being the God. The love of you doing everything that you want to do at the expense of everybody else. So what love is flowing out of you? Because Paul says, man, if we're living a life of love, we could follow Jesus' examples. We could do the very same things that he did. I could be patient in love. I could be kind in love even when it's hard. I won't be jealous. I won't be rude. I won't be proud. I won't be all those other things that we see other people say they love and actually do. So what love is flowing from us? The love of this world will have you taking shortcuts. It will have you doing things that burn bridges just to achieve your goals. Have you doing all kinds of things, right? Because think about the world we live in. We think about the society we live in. What is everybody trying to do? They try to get results. And they don't care how you get them. They don't care what that looks like. They don't care who gets hurt in the process. As long as at the end of the day, you achieve that result. That's how they view success. That's how they view a lot of different things. And that's what the world tries to teach us. Man, if you really love somebody, you need to do it this way, this, this, and this. In the process, man, you're hurting so many other people. But Jesus showed us a different type of love. A love that was opposite of this culture, of this world. He said, man, when you got this type of love from the Father, man, you could do things that are going to stand out from everybody else. But it's not just going to bless you. It's going to bless everybody in the process. It's a different type of love. What's that love look like from us? Because when we love like God loves, like Jesus loves, man, we could actually live like Jesus did. I want us to keep reading. Let's go to Ephesians 5, verse 6. He says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall all on who disobey him. Don't participate in these things people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful to even talk about things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, I don't know what life was like growing up from you, but I had this experience when I was younger that always stuck to me. And it, it just reminds me of how the light always exposes everything in the darkness. You see, I remember being younger, right? And I don't know if this happened to you, but I remember getting up in the middle of the night because I'm thirsty. I'm going to go to the kitchen, get something to drink, turn the light on, and I got roaches looking everywhere. And we're both looking at each other, kind of startled, like, what you doing here? What am I doing here, right? But that's the thing about the light. The light exposes things that we don't always see or notice. Just like those roaches got exposed. And I was like, oh, hey, hey, I didn't know we had roaches, right? <laughs> the light exposes things in our life. But what about in our life now? 
when we get closer to God, what we see is we accept his light and his light begins to expose some things. It won't be long before everything that you didn't realize was there presents itself. You see, the truth is always the truth, no matter how people want to dress it up or explain it. This is what I want you to take away this morning. Excuses don't change the truth. They just block the change. Excuses don't blame the truth. They just block the change. In order for you to work on something that needs to be changed, you have to know the truth of what you're looking at. Remember last week I shared this quote from George Washington Carver. He said 99% of failures come from people who have the habit of making excuses. 99% of failures come from people who have the habit of making excuses. There's no hiding from the truth when it reaches the light. It is what it is. I remember one day I had to take G to school and I was running late and I was just like, you know what, we're going to make it. Whatever it means. I remember I was just driving and then I got pulled over. So, of course, I tell Desiree, I say, hey, I got pulled over. I don't know if I'm going to jail or not. Just let you know. But I got pulled over. And, of course, the officer's like, you know why I pulled you over? I'm like, yeah, I was speeding. He's like, well, why are you speeding? And I was like, I was trying to make sure that my son made it to school on time. Wrote me a ticket or whatnot. And I remember when we get to school, right, I could have easily said, man, we're late because I got pulled over. That could have been what I told him. But let's be real. Let's be honest about the truth. The truth was I was late because we didn't leave the house in time. So it wasn't the officer's fault that I was late. It was really my fault. But if I were to make an excuse, it doesn't change the truth. But it does block the change. So in order for me to see change in my life, that means I got to take ownership of the things that I do. I got to be accountable for the things that I'm doing. I got to face it head on. I got to just accept it, you know what I'm saying? I didn't do this right, so you know what? I need to learn from it so I don't repeat it. Because that's what happens. If we don't make the changes that the light exposes in the truth, we're just going to repeat it. And we're going to just keep saying the same things over and over again. Oh, man, I'm sorry, you know, this and this and that. It's like, man, you say this every time. When am I going to see the change to it, though? And that's something I had to confront myself. There's a lot of times I make excuses for things, not realizing that these are the very things that God has brought to the light. These are some roaches I got in my house that God is trying to help me get rid of. Because if you know about roaches, right, they got all kinds of stuff to get rid of them. They got traps, they got powders, they got all these things. But if you don't mess with the roaches, what happens? Don't they stay? Won't they still be there? If you don't go get an exterminator, aren't the roaches always going to be there? Man, God wants to expose the roaches in our life so we can get rid of them. So they're not moving around in the darkness and making things difficult in us. But we have to understand that. Because God's light will not only produce what is good, but it's going to make you help do what's right, what is true. Everything else, man, a product of something that we need to change. And if it's not producing something that's good, something that's right, something that's true. If it doesn't glorify God, if it isn't pleasing to God, then we got to say, okay, I need to look at this. Because I don't realize how it might be messing with me in a way that's affecting that relationship with God. I don't realize how it's messing with my parenting. It's messing with my relationship with my spouse. It's messing with the way that I'm handling myself at work. It's messing with the way that I am when I'm at the store. I don't realize it. You have to expose it. You have to work on it. Because either way, whether we wake up or we remain asleep, 
It doesn't change what the truth is. There's no escaping the truth, and there's no escaping the results that it brings. And too many of us, we like to blame others, right? We like to blame other people. We like to blame the devil. We blame our parents. We blame everybody. There's got to be a point that we look in the mirror and we say, you know what, this is on me. I need to work on this. This is my problem right here. See, I think we have an entitlement problem. We want entitlement without the accountability that comes with it. We just expect things to happen for us because we're living in this earth, because the world revolves around me. That ain't how it works. At the end of the day, in all honesty, we're just another speck of dust who is blessed and granted things way beyond what we deserve. So if you want change, it starts by taking ownership and quit making excuses. That's where we got to start, church. I want us to continue to read. Let's go to verse 15 through 20. So then Paul says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtless, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourself, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks to him for everything that God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, man, I, there's no other way to say it, man. Be careful how you live and pay attention. It's a repeated thing we keep seeing. And as we walk with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, man, our, the works in our life, we should start to see life in a way that reflects God. Paul said, man, make the most of every opportunity in you in these evil days. He's saying, man, there's some urgency you got to have. You got to understand the environment, the culture that you live in. You got to understand... Uh, that time isn't always forever. Take advantage of the opportunities. Not all opportunities always stay. And it all falls on what we decide to do, what we decide to receive. I want you to finally take this away this morning. To make the most of every opportunity will require you to be intentional. To make the most, it's going to require you to be intentional. And I know that ain't easy, but he said, don't be thoughtless. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. We all know that if you get drunk, right, it's going to impair your judgment, your vision, your decision making, our responses. It's going to affect you in a way that usually produces a negative outcome. What I don't want any of us to miss, though, is that it doesn't have to be alcohol to ruin your life in the same way. It don't even have to be drugs. You know what else does? Pride. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, envy, greed, arrogance, lust. I mean, the list goes on and on. There are a lot of things that we could freely consume, and when we are not careful, we're going to be drunk by it. And it's going to affect the way that we see life. It's going to affect the way that we think about things. It's going to affect the way that we carry ourselves, that we produce actions, that we handle ourselves. And Paul said, man, if we are going to live life carelessly, without thinking that we're going to put ourselves in danger of becoming a fool. And he's trying to warn us that that don't have to be the life for us. Just because we've seen this throughout our family, our friends, that don't mean it has to be for you. But you have to be intentional in it. It goes back to those roaches, right? 
I know those roaches are there, it's up to me to take care of them. They ain't going to just get rid of themselves. They say, we at home. This is our home now. We share this. It's up to me to say, oh, okay, I got to figure out how to get rid of this in my life because it's no good. We have to be intentional. When we are, we can have the Holy Spirit guiding us, directing us, helping us see that God's hand is at work, helping us see God in the present, helping us go into his presence, helping God be present within us. And I'm, and I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's a hard thing to do. To wake up every day and say, you know what, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to wake up, and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make my bed. And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. It takes effort. It takes work. There's going to be times you don't want to do it. There's going to be times you say, man, I'll do that tomorrow. But you have to understand, tomorrow is not granted. We have to take advantage and make the most of the opportunities in front of us. Because we can either be people of intention, or we're going to be checked out on an autopilot. And if we're living our life in autopilot, there's a good chance that we're going to be bringing all these things in our life that we could have avoided. You ever seen somebody's life and it's just like, man, they operate out of chaos all the time. Like, I don't even understand how they survive it. Like, this is just, every time I see them, they, life is just all over the place. Well, a lot of times those things could be avoided. If I got up in the middle of the night and I'm running to the store and I come back and I notice my tires, you know, getting low. Then I probably should take care of that tire, right, man? Let me go and air it up so I don't have a flat tire in the morning. But what happens? Sometimes we're like, ah, I deal with it in the morning. Wake up, got a flat tire. We weren't expecting a flat tire. Now I'm running behind. Now I can't even find my spare. Now I can't even find the, the tool to change the spare. All these compound problems happen because we were being careless. Because we said, ah, I'll be intentional tomorrow. I'll be intentional later. I'll take care of those things a different time. Paul said, man, you got to make the most of every opportunity because you don't understand how the, what's in front of you is going to affect you later down the road. And it goes back to those resolutions. People start off with all these lofty goals and these things they want to see, but they have to be intentional to see them through. They have to go into God's presence to make sure they find in the right solutions because we could be intentional with the wrong things. And watch it mess up things in a hurry. So this is my challenge for all of us today, this year, along with seeking God's presence, is that we would do what pleases God. Do what pleases God, because that's really the ingredient to everything in life. You seek his presence, do what pleases him. Seek his presence, do what pleases him. You do those two things, everything else always works itself out. So you might be like, okay, Pastor, but I don't even understand how do I start that? What does this look like? Well, it starts by following Jesus' example. If you're like, I don't know his example, well, that means you got to get into his word. You got to learn the examples that he set before us. We got to learn what love really looks like and how to operate in that love. Because when we do, what do we say? We could follow his examples. It goes to us taking ownership of our mistakes and then saying, you know what? I need to make adjustments. You know what? I messed this up, so I got to do this so I'll avoid that for the next time so I can improve and I can always be growing and can get in better. So that way, every time I turn on that light in the middle of the night, there's less roaches in my house. They disappear. We have to be people who are thoughtful in how we live and always make time to express our praise. Because when you get into his presence, you start to realize how blessed you are. 
you start to realize how much you take advantage of things, of how ungrateful of people that you are a lot of times. And I'm saying this personally for myself, right? Because I could get up in the morning and I could run and I could play, man, I got to do this and I got to do that. I signed up for it. That's all me. I could either see that it's a privilege to do these things and I could be intentional and in seeing it through with God or I could just check out and be on autopilot and watch it compound and mess things up even further. So as we work on our resolutions this year, let's be people who get into God's presence. Let's be people who work to do what is pleasing to God because the victory is guaranteed. He said, your plans will succeed, but you got to commit them to me. If you're going to commit them to him, you got to bring them to him. So when we get into his presence, when we do what pleases him, we can't fail. Success might look different, but we can't fail. Let me pray. Father, it's not always easy to look at ourselves in the mirror and accept the truth. But Father, you do it not to belittle us or put us down, but to make us better and build us up. So Father, I just pray today, oh, man, that whatever we walked in here with, whatever we were doing to hurt ourselves, to cause further pain, Lord, that you would just bring it to the light, that you would expose it. That you would help us identify the things that we need to separate our life from. That we would be people that would expose things that are not good for us. That we wouldn't be people who are drunk on the wrong things, Lord. But we would be people who are operating out of your love and your spirit. But Father, we need your help to do all these things. And we need you to, man, humble us in whatever that looks like. But really just guide us in all of it, Lord. Help us be people not afraid to come to you in all these things, but people be excited to spend time with you. I pray this year that we would be the year of your presence, that in every day we could see you at work, and every day people could see you working in us, that your presence would be something that just radiates from us and around us. So help us walk in your love and follow your son's example. Help us grow closer to you. And help us be people who accomplish many things, not for the sake of anything pointing to us, but of people discovering the love that you have for them. Father, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now we're going to do a time of worship. We'll have some prayer team members in the back. If you need to come up here and pray, even in the back, we have a prayer wall, right? We never talk about this thing, but there's a wall of prayer. If you came in here and you don't want nobody to know your prayer, you're always welcome to write. On a sticky note, stick it up there. Pray for it. Pray for somebody else. I'm telling you, what did we say last week? Man, prayer is the difference between what you can do and the best that God can do. Man, let's be people who receive his best. Nothing less. I want God's best. I don't want anybody else's best. I want God's best for my life, for my children, for my marriage, for my family, for this church, for every one of y'all. I want his best. But we got to be intentional for it. Let's worship. Thank you for joining us today, listening to Lubbock Unified LUC Messages on the Go. As always, we invite you to join us in person Sundays at 1030, also on Wednesdays at 630, or catch us online at Lubbock Unified on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple, whatever your listening desires are, we would love to connect and for you to be part of the family. 
So let's do life together and let's keep seeking the Lord. God bless.